Blog Talk Radio.
All right, welcome to another edition of The Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. Um, tonight we're going to have um, a show doing around, um, with this being February, we're going to talk about um, Black History Month. And why is it relevant? Why should we celebrate Black History? And also <clears> we <throat> talk about it from the point of view, um, black history is American history. So uh, maybe uh, we can probably get on the discussion on when can we start merging, you know, this culture within our public schools and you can just start looking at it as American history, you know, opposed to just black history. So with that being said, we have a couple of callers online already, and I believe one of which is one of our co-hosts, um, uh, Kane, he's online, and we also have a call from 664. Um, thanks for joining our show. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to have a really good um, discussion tonight. Um, also, I also want to talk about a couple other stories that I found, inter- you know, interesting, um, dealing one of which is dealing with a man that um, attacked another woman's child on an airplane and called him the N-word and told the woman, and the boy was mixed, actually, from what I think, you know, from the pictures I saw, but he told, he was like a rich executive, and he, I guess he thought that he could do that to some other woman's child that was, like, only two years old. He was crying, and he, you know, popped the baby and told her to shut that end baby up. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to also um, talk about uh, Facebook, and when I say Facebook, I want you guys to know that you guys need to really be careful of what you put on Facebook because employers not only are employers asking, are they are they're looking up um, information now on their employees, but now they are requiring some jobs are requiring you to give over your password as soon as you um, like as a condition of you working for them. So we're going to talk about that and. Um, Whatever else you guys had to um, discuss. Um, so um, I also want to let you know Michael Snyder, he will be in here around 11.10, 11.15. And uh, I just wanted to see if you guys had anything to say, um, just to start, start off in general, um, 664. Um, did you have anything to say or are you just listening at this point? Um, yes, I do. Um, when you were asking about why black history was very important, well, I truly believe that it's very important because, um, you know, it is very essential because um, there were a lot of prominent African-American people that took a stand to make a difference. And I truly believe that it's very important because if those stands were not, you know, made, then African Americans would not have the rights that um, we have today. So I truly believe that um, Black history is is very 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 important. Um, and I also look at how you know we had people, how we had prominent African American um, people from um, young young to old that went out and just fought for rights, and they marched for rights, and they were beaten for rights. So I truly believe that um, black history is very, very, very important. Uh, 
Hello? Yes. Oh, okay. I was making sure I didn't know if I got disconnected or not. But, yeah, I, okay. I agree. And um, some people, and, and I don't, um, you know, I had a discussion with someone, and they were just trying to understand. I think they were legit. You know, I know they were a legitimate question. Why should mm-hmm. we celebrate Black History Month? And I can't really blame them for asking that because a lot of times I think the mainstream culture, they don't necessarily mm-hmm. explain the significance behind Black History Month or what it is and why we should celebrate mm-hmm. it, especially in the school system. You know, um, the achievements or the history of blacks are never really discussed in, in as far mm-hmm. as the black experience in this country. So a lot of people don't know <laughs> why we should celebrate this month and what why is it so significant. And I think that um, when we when we hear about Black History Month in the mainstream culture, it's always those same old pictures that you see, the mm-hmm. same black and white pictures you see about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks when she almost got her behind, locked up behind, you know, and, and put on – put in jail because she didn't get that seat up, and that's the only thing we hear about. That's the only mm-hmm. thing we hear about is blacks. That's where it stops at. Our history mm-hmm. stops at slavery all the time. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. It doesn't include some of the uh, historical uh, things that we've achieved and how we have contributed to society. And mm-hmm. I really am tired of people um, always thinking that our history starts at slavery and it ends in the 1960s when we were marching for freedom, which that's, that's all part of the part of the history, but that's not the whole entire story. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that tonight. And, you know, and to me, I think what bothers me, and I had this discussion with somebody too, we're going to go to a couple songs, you know, you know how we do. We're probably not going to play like three or four. We're going to probably play a couple songs like we always do. Um, but what bothers me is how every other group, and I don't mean this, in, I don't mean any harm, which I, I think that people should have a sense of cultural pride and they should celebrate where they come from, their ancestry comes from. But why does it seem when when blacks celebrate um, Black History Month or we have events, you know, um, surrounding our culture, why does it seem like we are always trying to be Exclusive, like we're trying to exclude people, or we're trying to be militant. Why? Why is that? Why can't we have a sense of cultural pride? And I was just wondering, how do you feel about that? Well, um, well, I truly believe that um, from years and years ago until now, you know the. Um, the way that we're looked upon has never changed. And I truly believe that that has been carried on down the years, period. So, you know, um, I just truly believe that because the reg- the um, prejudice and the, you know, racism is still present, and I truly believe that that plays a big part and why people look upon African Americans as being that way. You know, they feel as if that we didn't have rights years ago, so why should we have rights now? And I just truly believe that those two main things play a big part in why 
um, a lot of people look upon African Americans as being that way. Mm-hmm. So do you think, so in other words, you think even though things have gotten a little better, you still think that that racist um, attitude towards not only blacks but just minorities, you know, do you think that still carries over until 2013, even though we do have our first black president? Absolutely, because, you know, um, you know, one of the main people that really did make a difference, as we all know, is Martin Luther King. You know, if he didn't take the stand that he, you know, took, we wouldn't be able to go into restaurants today. You know, they would still be throwing uh, crosses yeah. in the yards and bombs and, and stuff. And, in the and, and it's not just for black he, he took a stand for, which I will say also there was some very, uh, it was white people that, that took a stand to it, that took part of, Right, the, uh, right. Movement. But not only did Martin Luther King take up for minorities, for blacks, he took up for any group of people that was marginalized right. and the people that weren't, or as we would call them, the least to be. So mm-hmm. people don't realize this stuff. We don't get this history in school. You know, um, you know, and I think that it's up to us as parents you know, those that are parents or just people in the community to educate the children because they're not going to get this information in school. And I'll just be honest with you. I didn't know much about my own culture until I got out of high school and started going to college and started taking courses and researching things for mm-hmm. my So that's why I think a lot of the, the, the black youth, um, they're so troubled. That's why they have a lot of self-esteem issues. They have a lot of problems because they don't know who they are and they don't know where mm-hmm. they come from, and they think that the only the only history they get, you know, the only thing they think they worth is a slave or somebody mm-hmm. that can pop, lock, and drop it on a BET video. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that because these so-called, quote-unquote, black brand uh, organizations, hey, they're really not. They're really not mm-hmm. in the pursuit. They're supposed to be uplifting the black community, but they're making us look nothing more than a bunch of savages and a bunch of criminals mm-hmm. ourselves. So it's not always mm-hmm. the outside community that's making ourselves look bad, but it's the people within the community that have the power to change the stereotypes and the images of our people, but they're not. They're further mm-hmm. perpetuating that negative stereotype. So mm-hmm. you know, that's something else that we need to look at too. It's not always mm-hmm. the outside community, but it's also – us as people that people of color that have uh, options to 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 put out a positive image, but they choose not to. Mm-hmm. Can I so, also um, suggest also that um, now that we have a uh, a black man as our president, Mr. Obama, and I have a great deal of respect for this man. Um, I think also there's been a lot of racist attitude against him with whole, that whole birther movement. You know, is uh, Mr. Obama an American or not? You know, this I think this is also part of that. Um, we're still getting over this whole racist attitude. In America, um, you know, we we need to uh, 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm. Uh huh. Maybe my uh, idea is not fully formed here, but um, I'm just really bothered by this whole what seems to me to be a really racist attitude towards whether President Obama is American or not. And that whole birther movement is just ridiculous. Yeah, I I think for him to have to prove his citizenship is just, I think that's ridiculous, you know. And there's people that are still, that are still questioning that. And to me, you know, I just think that's that's just flat out ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I, flat I, out racist. That's what it right? is. <clears throat> and you know, and like I said, he, you know, and it's to be expected. He's the first, so he's gonna take the most heat. But to me, this man is in his second time. And that's, mm-hmm. also a lot, that's a lot of ignorance out here. And I'm not going to say that it's, it's – I think it's, it's fewer people that are racist than not, because if he, if he were that racist, he wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten a second time. And I'm not naive to think that it was just a black vote or it was just nothing. Everybody took a, 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 you know, took action to get him back into office. So we're really not talking about – the majority of the American people. We're talking about a nice amount of people that still have this ignorance and that have, you know, that pretty much they are, you know, they're not informed, they're, you know, ill-informed, as I would say, and they, you know, refuse to let go of those old stereotypes. And I think that a lot of times that... uh, We we still see that even in 2013, but I think there's more people that aren't like that than are. But to me, I'm not so I'm not so it's, sure it's uh, ill-informed people. I think it's more like an old man's club is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's an old man's club. You know, people just want things the way. They like it to be when things were the way it worked well for them, and they just don't like the way things are going where things are going to change. You know, they just don't want to be progressive, you know. Yeah. And do you think that, and do you think that it's mostly like people are scared of change? Like some people don't know, um, I mean, they've been used to things being the way that they are for so long. They're 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 afraid that the idea of what an American is is is, is not necessarily changing, but it's not that old school, old fashioned you know way of what a authentic American is. I mean, you think people are kind of scared at that that we're changing as a nation, and some people don't want to let go of that. I'm not sure it's a a factor of people being afraid of America changing. I think it's just people just don't want their own situation to change. You know, people are comfortable with their own situation. They don't want something to change that might possibly affect how uh, their own lives are, whether it's taxes or uh where they have to live or whatever it it i think it's just 
a basic uh, cons- conservative, you know, conservative uh, <laughs> attitude. Um, maybe um, of the oh, oh, what's 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 her name? Seneca, come on, tell me what what's the uh, woman's name? Oh. What does she do? Uh, the the other uh, lady on the line here, maybe she can uh, address us as well. I'm sorry, ma'am. See? I I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. If you could, please my name tell is me. C. C. Okay, could you yes. uh, please address us? Uh, what what do you think of this? Um, well, I will say this, um, and I'm going to go from then until now. You know, one one thing that I was really looking at that played a big part in this, too, is, is that when you look at the three words in the Constitution, it says, we the people. And when I read about that, it was really talking about um, any person that was not a minority, because they did not consider minorities back then, equal people. So now when we look at down through the years, they still look at African Americans as not being equal. So I truly believe that when they look at President Obama, and I'm not going to say Mr., I'm going to say President because that's the respect that he deserves, um, when they look at him, they look at him as an individual that is not an equal individual. Um, there have been many um, accusations against him as being the Antichrist. There have been many accusations of uh, him being uh, someone who was trying to cause problems. And, And I truly look at it this way, too, that it is, and I'm not going to say all people, but a lot of people still have that racist mentality because they're still um, putting pictures of him out there on the Internet as a monkey, and they're putting him um, hanging from a tree. So I'm looking at it as a racist frame of mind. Now, now I'm just going to say this, and whoever don't like it just don't like it. I truly believe that if he was, you know, um, a Caucasian president, then I truly believe that we would not have a problem. I truly believe that they would not question where he's from. They wouldn't have any questions about who he is, but because he is African-American, just because of his skin color, that poses a problem for so many people. Well, it's not just the skin color. It's the name also. Well, I'm just not an Anglo name. Well, I would say this, sir, that if it was a Caucasian person, they wouldn't look at the last name as Obama as being anything. You know, they wouldn't look at it as being a problem. But I truly believe that they look at him and they're putting the name with the color. So I truly believe that if it was a Caucasian president, then even if he had the name Obama or Salam or whatever they want to put on the end of his last name, they wouldn't question it because of the skin color. You oh, know, I, and I, I agree and with you totally. I, I, I um, think, I think not both, only... elements, both elements play a key in it. You know, it, it's, not, it, it, yeah. it's definitely the skin color. But see, what people don't fail to realize, too, is from, well, he, he's part Caucasian, too. But you know what? The ideology of this country is if you have a 
a, a drop of black blood in him, you are not Caucasian. You are black. And Absolutely. people don't realize that. That's why people say he's the first black president because in this country it's been historically like that. And to me, like you That's said, right. the point earlier when you brought up we the people, the Constitution was never created with us in mind. The Constitution That's right. wasn't made. They, they never had in mind the, the forefathers of this country never, if they had a look at if they had a, thank God they didn't have a, a you know, a, a crystal ball to see what the future of we probably, they would probably set roadblocks where we couldn't have gotten our freedom. That's right. But what that being said is we have to look at the Constitution for what it was. It was not right. designed at the time for minorities in general. That's right. The, That's the, right. Um, I mean, the, 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 the accomplishments that they have now. So we have That's to right. be realistic when we look at it like that. And like you said, it was written in the Constitution that blacks were not looked at. They weren't seen as humans. They were That's seen right. as three-fifths of a person. Yes. So we, if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about race in this country, we're going to have a re- realistic talk about it. We're going to have to have it from a realistic point of view. We're going to have to look at it for what it is. You mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, like I said, we are at a better place in this country than what we were. But still, mm-hmm. if we're going to address how we can get further along, we're going to have to go back to the past and see where we come from and see what what right. thing of what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're going to go back to the past, um, let's consider the Constitution in the uh, context that it was um, drawn up in. Um, mm-hmm. There was, at that time, what was known as the Enlightenment, which was a uh, a philosophical you know period that was going through not just Europe but also uh the, the what was to become the United States um and granted uh people of uh, minority were not considered of equal status but at the same time uh let's let's look at the enlightenment which attempted let's say at least made an attempt to try and um consider people of minority to be equal at the same time whether as women men of of color and whatnot um the whole history of the United States has been a history of us fighting for the rights that are promised us. <clears throat> so, so let me we ask, have okay, the Bill okay. of Rights. We let have the ask, Bill okay, of Rights, was, and we still have to fight for those Bill of Rights every so day. So when was the period we, of enlightenment? Oh, I'm sorry? So when, you, you, you talk about a period of enlightenment. When was, first of all, I have a question about that because when was the period of enlightenment? Because I'm trying to figure that out because we still had a until a little over 50 years ago we still had a mindset in this country that uh, we we had a Jim Crow mentality mm-hmm. in this country. So when was this supposed um, period of enlightenment? Uh, the period of the period of enlightenment was. was um, something that happened in the 18th century. 
when um, we started uh, the Industrial Revolution and so forth. Mm-hmm. So when I say the period of enlightenment, I don't mean something that is recent. I I mean something that happened a couple hundred years ago. And the period of enlightenment is something that was influential on people such as Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, uh, the American Revolution, and so forth. That was something that was happening back then. Uh, I by no means mean or try to imply that that is, you know, anything more than what I've said. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just confused because you, you were mentioning that, like, like it was almost like, I didn't know if you were meaning it was like a social enlightenment or was it just like an industrial period? I, I, uh, I it was just uh, when people such as Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and whatever are uh, coming up with their own social ideas, and of course they did not apply these social ideas to other people such as their own slaves, mm-hmm. which... Uh, you know, depending on their own conditions, whatever, however they uh, treated those people. Um, but we are progressing and enlightening ourselves to the point where we understand that this, this, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. just stuff like uh, President Obama being American or not. That is still a ridiculous question. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it okay, up so here to I, someone else. So we have another caller that just joined online. Uh, 269323, um, do you have a question or a comment, or are you just listening at this point? Uh, well, I, I was listening, but I do have a, a comment. Okay. Uh, uh, with the caller, I, I think he's, he's struggling um, answering the question about, yeah, which I think was a good one, to ask him to define what this uh, enlightenment period was about. Was it, you know, science-based or, um, uh, you know, philosophy-based and things of that nature? And in the context of what you all were talking about, the Enlightenment period has absolutely nothing to do with the um, theory and the social thinking of what whites thought of blacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had absolutely nothing to do with that. So to try to use the Enlightenment period as if this was a period when (laughs) Europeans' spiritual enlightenment or conscious enlightenment about humanity and social science was raised is ludicrous. 
Oh, no, I'm I I am trying to answer a philosophical question, but I am in no way trying to use that to justify any any uh argument for slavery or whatever. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, that's a good point, but because, you know, like I said, like, I, up until less, well, a little over 50 years ago, blacks were not, you know, like, and like I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier on this in the conversation is, we have to look at the constitu- Constitution for what it was. You know, mm-hmm. like I it was not meant for us to have our rights and all our liberties, and you mm-hmm. look at it, like, from a point of view that they didn't even see us as full-fledged, you know, human beings. So mm-hmm. so this notion that, that that the Constitution was completely applicable to us, like you said, you know, it, it, it's ludicrous. Because up to 50 years ago, we weren't even allowed to use the same facilities. Um, mm-hmm. and, well, that's know, what like, I was trying to say, is that yeah. the Bill of Rights has supposedly given us these rights, but history has shown that we have always had to fight for these rights throughout history. Right. Always. Right. Well, we have, uh, I think Michael just joined the line. Uh, is this you, Michael? Yes. Okay, yeah. We've been having a really um, good discussion so far, and, um, you know, um, and it's really, it's really going in. In, like you said, like in many directions, but I think it's good that we're having this um, conversation just to catch you up to speed what we're talking about. Um, we, we're we talking about, of course, black history. I think we're going to probably do a part two of this show because I'm feeling that this is going to bleed over into, into another show. But we were just talking from a point of view um, how Barack, you know, how, you know, has racism pretty much, is it a thing in the past that we still dealing with it? And we, we were talking about how um, Barack Obama, like with him being the first black president, how he's dealt with a lot of disrespect. And then also we were talking about the Constitution. Like, let's have a real talk about racism because if we look at the Constitution, are we really, we wonder why, you know, blacks go through the things that they've gone through. Is it because the Constitution was never really meant for us historically? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it didn't have us in mind. So we we're talking about a lot of things from an honest point of view. And um, caller two six nine three two three. What do you think about the Constitution? I mean, when we look at it from a historical point of view, do we have to kind of keep in mind that originally it wasn't meant for us in mind, and 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 we have to kind of start looking at that from a realistic point of view? Because you brought up a good point too. Yeah. Well, the the thing that I would add to what you just said, brother, is it was not meant for you then, and it still is not. So I think Absolutely. we need to don't, you know what I'm saying, don't disarm blacks to thinking that somehow there was some magical period where it transformed into some universal document that is for all humans. That never mm-hmm. happened, and it never will. So make sure that that clarity is there, and don't let anybody bamboozle you, you or any other listeners, into thinking that 
the Constitution is some universal document that is raceless in its nature and its content and its intent. Um, I must say I'm a little bit distressed to feel that, or to hear that you feel that way, sir. So it's not a feeling, but go ahead. (laughs) It's Um, not emotional, (laughs) not a feeling. I, I would like, I sincerely hope that, uh, it is because I mean, yes, it is true that this documentation or this document was drawn up in a time when there was uh slavery and whatnot um, but I would also like to hope that, as a human race, we have grown to learn that such an attitude is wrong. And that we can still, you know, um, if if I can if I can meet well, let you. Me, let me just jump in here real quick because I I kind of feel completely, and I, and I just want to make some clarification. I'm not by, and I don't think that any of us by any means are saying that all white people have those attitudes and how a lot of white people are not. Like I mentioned earlier, if it wasn't for the white vote and everybody's vote, Barack wouldn't have gotten a second term. So I'm by no means saying that that majority of whites carry that attitude, but I will say it's a significant amount. And see, what makes mm-hmm. it so bad is a lot of them are in levels of power, like, I mean, higher levels of power, and they're making decisions, and these people have no right to be in positions where they're making, you know, decisions that impact the entire country's life and well-being. So... That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the ones that are like that. We're not talking about, but I see what the brother's saying is because it's not a feeling of him being hateful or anything like that. He's just saying the honest truth. Like, like it, 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 it wasn't meant. The document was not meant for us in mind. And to me, that's why we even say we, we think that we have this so-called freedom. We don't. And that's why that's why there's so many inequalities as far as like you know, um, as far as how even in the judicial system, in the in the you know we even in the prison system, there's there's, there's so much inequities, you know, that are going on. Like we we see how um, the number of blacks that are in prison, and how a lot of them, some of them are even innocent, and a lot of them are in jail for drug offenses. You know, not not necessarily in prison because they committed a crime against another person. But a lot of times people, a lot of us are in jail because of crimes we commit against ourselves, which I think that's crazy. I think people that do drugs or whatever, you know, how is it that you get all this time in prison but someone can go murder a whole family or they can murder people and they don't even get half the time as someone that is in possession of, you know, a certain type of drug. I mean, but that's just... That can go all kind of ways, you know. But we, we see great equities with the minorities within the judicial system, the prison system, economically, all this stuff, you know. And even the, those who are qualified for even in the in the you know job market, minorities that are qualified and that you know they 
they're just as educated, just as bright, and just as smart as maybe the Caucasian. They have a harder time getting in, you know, getting their foot in, you know, professionally versus someone that's white. There's so many inequalities in this country, so we're not going to sit here and say, on paper we may be equal, but I think that in reality we're not, and we're still dealing with a lot of this stuff. You know, All right, well, well, leaving that aside, um, it is still a fact that the entire history of the United States, we have had to fight for the rights that we all deserve. It doesn't matter whether you're black, Indian, white, whatever. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, oh, yes, it does matter. It, oh, yes, it does matter because certain people don't don't have to fight as hard as other people. So for the notion you're saying putting that aside, let's not put that aside because that's a realistic thing. You see what so I'm saying? If you're, we, can't, we can't put that to the side. So if especially you're, uh, relax, even women. Women have to write, work hard, harder than most men to just oh. be even noticed. Oh, we all have to fight for the rights that uh, the Bill of Rights has supposedly promised us. But um, there are certain things that just, you know, we are not uh, a given whether or not the Bill of Rights have uh, promised us, and we have to uh, continue to fight for those. Uh, and we fight let's for say you're, you're a white gay man. If you're a white gay man, does that lessen... You, know, you still have to fight for the same rights. Uh, Michael, you want to jump in here at this point? Ooh, I, mm. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, because you, you know, you know, Michael, he, he, he avoids the reason the most times. So we're gonna let him jump in. Yeah. You, know, you can. I feel a little hamstring here coming in midway in all this. <laughs> but, you need a couple seconds. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, when you address, you know, a white gay man. You know, I was uh, involved in a uh, biracial relationship where a partner that I was with for four years was a black man. And I know as a black gay man, he faced different things than I did. I know at that time I also worked in a law enforcement-related field. And a, a gay man is not taken seriously in a law enforcement-related field. It's just it's that's the way it that it is, and that's something you constantly have to fight against. I've seen he and I as a couple get looked at really freaking strange many times. I'm like, seriously? I've seen that within the own gang community. You know, the rights you know rights sound really good on paper, but it's something that you constantly, even if the right is quote unquote given, you're still going to have to fight for it. Right, and that's, that's the uh, the history of America with the Bill of Rights. We we are given these rights, 
uh, we are told that we have these rights, but the history of America has shown that we have to continually fight for these rights. Yeah, but even if they're given to you, that doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, that's true. Like you say, like you say, anything can be written on paper, but it's it's not going to be infected until people are forced to implement them things, implement those rights. Because, okay, let's, let's, let's look at it historically. Even though slavery ended in 1863, and it was an official, it was officially ended in 1863. A lot of slaves weren't free until almost 1870, 1869. Even though that right was on paper, that didn't mean until it was enforced fully. And it doesn't mean so. You can have something that in writing, or you can have something that's passed. That doesn't mean that it's going to be implemented in until. Oh, exactly. Um, you know, slavery was officially ended in 1863, and uh, when the railroad was being built across the United States, who built that railroad? Irish people and Chinese. And you know what? Uh, a lot of Irish or Chinese immigrants were brought over from China to uh, replace uh, the the black slave uh, labor. But you know, guess what? Chinese people were really good at litigation. They knew how to litigate, and uh, it caused big problems for. Uh, uh, the former slave owners, they didn't know how to deal with it. It's like, you know, and so, you know, this is again another instance of uh, racial inequality, is because uh, the Chinese immigrants were pushed aside. Yeah, can, can I say something? Yeah, yeah, well, you'll say something, and then um, yeah. I have. Then after that, we have another call that just joined to, and we want to give them a chance. So go ahead, 269 and 664, okay. you're next. See, the it, it's easy for the conversation to get sidetracked. Um, and I, I would suggest, uh, like the brother said, the the race-based thinking that you had about your understanding of uh, the Constitution. Never lay that on the table and, and say, I'm going to um, think with it. Don't ever do it. It's like cutting your own throat. Now, the issue of looking at individual whites to see, you know, are there good whites and bad whites, it, that, that's a non-issue. Whenever you're analyzing group behavior, you're into science, social science. And so when you're looking at the intent of people as a group, then you look at the group action, not an individual inside of the group. And then you draw conclusions from there. You make your inferences from there. And so with that in mind, and this is all European science, what I'm saying there, so it's not foreign. And you draw your conclusions from there. And that group action determines your conclusion, not 
singling out an individual or listening to an individual saying, well, hey, man, I'm not racist. That's not even the conversation. Yeah. And so, so what you're saying is bigger than that. It's just it's bigger. Yes. Than it's bigger yes. than the individual. Bingo. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Um. Four. Um. Um. Did you have a um, comment? I know you just joined the conversation, and we want to thank you for um, coming on tonight. Uh, we were just. I don't know how much you've been listening to, but we we're just talking about the, the whole black experience with this being Black History Month. We were just talking about the whole black experience in America and why is it important that we celebrate Black History Month and, you know, what's the importance of us like is black history American history? Can we can we is it is it time for us to either separate that or join it as a part as a part of American history? And I brought up the question too earlier and you can comment on this we're we're talking about all kind of things. Why is it that Blacks, when we have our own events, like everybody else, can, it's okay for people to celebrate their heritage and their culture, but when blacks celebrate theirs, it's automatically viewed as us being militant or us trying to be separatist or whatever you want to call it. So if you want to uh, talk about any of those comments or whatever's on your mind, uh, feel free to do so. Well, good evening, everybody, and thank you. Um, the... Um, there's never history repeats itself. It's repeated itself over and over and over again. I do believe that it is very important first uh, for Black America to understand what the meaning of Black history is, uh, and then we have to understand Black history and take part uh, in uh, some of the. the uh, Celebrations and festivities that uh, that happens in our own cities and towns and, and counties that we live in. If we when we don't take part in our own history and it is it's our history whether we like it or not. Some people would say, "Well, I wasn't born at that time. I wasn't around at that time," but it's because of the events that took place then that made us or put us in the position that we're in or even the opportunities that we have today as black Americans. Um, but I think when, um, when, you, when these events take place and there are such small numbers of um, black Americans, I've seen ca- more Caucasians at a black history event than the black Americans. Mm-hmm. And that is so sad. That's now. What type of message is that sending? It's either we don't care, but but really we don't understand. We don't understand what it means to take part in it in the first place. And you don't. You hear that on the ra- the uh, black radio. You hear uh, the some of the the news talking about just mentioning the fact that it's Black History Month. And and all that, but you don't hear them talk about as much what it means to Black America. You you don't hear that, but that's something that we as individuals need to take into the. We can't just rely on uh, 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 
you know, just a small individual. Well, we can't depend on groups, I'll put it that way. We have to do that one by one. When we go out, those of us that believe in black history, we should be sharing that every day. We should be sharing that with some of the youth that, or all the youth that we come in contact with. That's where we failed because we don't share all the knowledge uh, that we have as uh, adults today uh, of uh, so even the history that took place when we were growing up. We don't share that. And I always like to tell people what good is a bottle of syrup for those pancakes if you never take the top off of that syrup and pour it little on that pancake. We've got to take some of this knowledge that we have and we have to take it into the world and we have to share it. It, it, but, you know, again, it takes all of us to do that. We can't just rely on small groups and, and, small, and organizations to do that for us. So uh, it is very important. We should know about it, uh, and we should take part in those events when they come uh, to our cities and towns. And, and I was going to thank you for that um, knowledge because a lot of times, like you said, um, we don't take that. We we don't um, like like I, I'm going to share with you later a, a, a list of dimensions. I didn't know that we we have or were responsible in creating in this country. And a lot of people try to discredit the black spirit and all this stuff, but we don't realize how rich our history is. We're more than slaves. We're more than sharecroppers. We're more than yeah. what we call quote unquote troublemakers in society. And like you said. Those have the knowledge. We're responsible in educating people. That's how we begin to break down those barriers of discrimination. We break down those barriers of stereotypes. You know, and um, I have my brother online, uh, call it 828. Um, I think it's JR, right? Yeah. JR, I know you got something to say because you, I know you're going to weigh in on this com- conversation. I don't know how much you've been listening, but. Tonight we're just talking about uh, the history, what's the importance of black history in this country? Is it considered American? And um, how should we, as a country, how should we break that culture along with every other culture in, the, in you know, out here? So uh, how, what do you feel about the whole topic of, and we also were talking about earlier, how the Constitution originally was not intended for minorities in mind. So, so how do we begin to have a realistic um, conversation about race? We have to go back to that point and, and, and look at how this country was founded. I mean, we're talking about a, a wide variety of things as it relates to Black History Month. So what are your thoughts on that or anything that you want to add? Uh, you, you know what? Um, and, uh, believe it or not, right now I'm just being silent and listening. I've I've only uh, heard about five minutes of the show so far, to be perfectly honest. Okay, but I mean, if there's any topics you want to throw in, feel free to do so because we're 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 just we're just taking it from real uh, many different points of view. If there's something that you want to share about, you know, cause I know you're not necessarily African American, but I know that you know you're a minority too. So I just wanted wanted to know if you had any um, thing to say as far as you know, your experience being a minority in this country and how um, you've been, how you 
overcame a lot of obstacles as being a minority. Seneca? Uh, All right. Hey, Seneca, this is uh, Kane. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say that um, as far as the African-American experience goes, I want to say that I have been so profoundly influenced by so many uh, people, such as Miles Davis, Eric Dolphy, Sun Ra. Uh, These are pinnacles of the African-American community that I think, as far as uh, music goes, at least, these these people are profound influences on myself as far as uh, what I've tried to do as music. I whenever I listen to someone like Sun Ra, oh my God, it, it makes me feel so good. Uh, so I I just wanted to throw that in as. Uh, An example of super yeah, I think freaking we're getting awesome. Feedback. Yeah, we get some feedback. JR, yeah, somebody has a real bad connection. Yeah, JR, are you? I know sometimes you're around a lot of noise. Are you right now? JR. Yeah. Are you out right now? Like, uh, I know you're probably around the. Yeah, I'm on the road right now, so the background noise you hear is probably my truck. Okay, well, um, I'm going to let Kane make his point. I'm going to put put you on mute for a minute, um, and then I'm going to um, um, bring you back in a second. Is it okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Okay, that's a lot better. Okay, so what was the point you were trying to make? Uh, oh, I was just trying to say that uh, as far as African-American uh, musicians and artists go, um, there have been some that have really informed me as to how to make great music and art. And uh, one of the best that I've, I, I can say is Sun Ra. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sun Ra, but he is, every time I listen to Sun Ra's music, it just puts a big, freaking huge smile on my face. I love that guy. So, uh, And Seneca, I guess, now that I'm catching up a little bit on what's going on, you know, getting back to one of the things of should it be taught as American history, Absolutely. You know, it's part of the one of the things that's woven very tightly into the fabric of life today as you anyone has come to know it. You know, contributions to science, uh, physics, uh, all of the main sciences that are out there. You know, there's not just you know civil liberties, but you look at you know so much of what today is not just in the entertainment industry, but in some of the very things that influence your daily life, even in the scientific community. 
Yeah. Oh, look, look at Neil deGrasse Jr. There is an African American uh, scientist, Neil deGrasse Jr. I'm he familiar is, with. He is uh, doing great work with science and educating the public with science, and he is an African American. Yeah. He's uh, highly involved in physics, astrophysics. I think even some quantum physics. Um, you know, even looking at parts of the American history and going way back, you know, there's so much out there that probably most of us are not aware of. So should yes, it start as like part, of, part of American history? Absolutely it should. Yes, and like I said, I, um, there were, there were, I have a list of inventions and, and contributions here that we're going to get to in a little bit um, that I didn't even know about. And a lot of these inventions that that blacks were responsible for making that we use in everyday life, and we don't even realize, you know, over time they've evolved. But if it weren't for these individuals, we weren't, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have, you know, certain things that uh, make our lives a lot easier. You know, so I think that a lot of that was um, that's not being taught in schools, and I think that it's it's our responsibility to. At the end of the day, and it's just in general, it's your responsibility to, get, to educate yourself. It's not the responsibility of the school system to to educate you, which it should. You know, they should, you know, in, in a perfect world, it should be their responsibility of educating you about yourself. But at the end of the day, you need to be responsible for your own education, and you, you need to be responsible knowing where you came from. It's not up to anybody else. But can I, let me, hey brother, can I just because you just said something that's key, and I think you said in a perfect world. Now, just let me take that out and put in a world that you created. All right, and and, and let me tell you why I say that, brother. In the public school system now, it is when you have a culture, it is. The school systems, when you, listen what I said, when you have a culture, it is the responsibility, that's the purpose of formal schooling, to make mm-hmm. certain that children are acculturated into that history. When you have a school system, now you said in a perfect world, mm-hmm. in this culture, brother, the history of Europeans is taught. Their philosophies, where they came from, Greek, French, Roman, that's a perfect world. So so that's your word for that's your word for that is taught. It's not left out. That's right. Okay, we it's not it's not done when they get home. It's done in the it's done at the schools and at home. So why don't you uh, take responsibility to teach that extra bit of uh, education to your own children? Oh, oh I do. Okay, I, good. He, he yeah. Would, yeah, that, that, you can't say yeah. all, no. Yeah. Well, but, but, but the key is, brother, this, see, this is the key. This is where the gray area comes in and, and we get off track, thinking that you, you are living in a culture. It is a European culture. 
Oh, I, I will grant you that. Yes, we are okay. living in and, a European and we have culture. To be, exactly. And I'm, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being because you. A lot of times you won't hear Europeans be even be honest about that. They'll say, "Oh no, this is we are the world." <laughs> this oh, is your well, worst, you know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna try and be inclusive, but uh, yeah, it's definitely true that. Uh, uh, that your culture is not going to be included. But do you hear the honesty, brother? I mean, that, that this is I, pure I, honesty I, right I, here. I can't, you can't get mad with people to be honest. Yeah, this is pure honesty. No, I'm not mad at all. But it's pure honesty. I think that's the beginning of conversation. Can no, I give you all a little bit? We've got to include. Um, that's. All right, I, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I, I when I was in high school and grade school, I didn't know this shit. I didn't know this stuff. I had to teach myself all about this stuff. You know about uh, the inequalities and uh, and everything. Well, I don't mean to cut you off, Kane. I, I need to bring Jr. back in the conversation. I know he had something to say. I just meant I just right. want to put, put right. him on. Bring him in. Okay, Jr. I know you got something to say. How are you doing, my brother? <laughs> I know you do. I, this is my brother. I know. I know when he got something to say. I, 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 I always have something to say. Now, uh, yeah, you know, in, in this country. It's got a very vicious, vicious past, you know, especially towards minority history. Um, it, but like I've always said, you know, this country is a work in progress, and we can't change the past, but what we can change is our future. Now, like you said earlier, or uh, one of the gentlemen there, uh, it, it's up to us to learn our own path, you know, and our own cultures, because it's not the responsibility of the public school system to do it. Fully agree with that there. Yeah, but they the are problem. teaching something. What, what do you mean it's not? They are teaching history. What do you mean it's not their responsibility? They, they are to a certain extent, you know. Um, you know, in the, in the beginning days of this country, I mean, it, it was just fish. The, the way minorities were treated. And, and it isn't just Hispanics, and it isn't just Chinese or African Americans. They treated the Irish like that. You know, it treat, it, it, certain classifications of people were just treated for being different or poor or just a different social standard. You know, they, they, were, they worked for slave wages. Now, nobody suffered the way the uh, African Americans did, but... You know, it, it, it was a vicious path that needs to be done right. Now, as a minority myself of a Hispanic background, having grown up in an all-Caucasian uh, county, you know, I, I was the first minority to go to any school in the county I lived in. Um, you know, it, it was uh, it was a different time, and... I firsthand have seen people change, and change for the better. You know, it's, uh, 
Jay, let me ask you yeah. this, though. Do you think a lot of times people, so back then, do you think people just are now tolerant? And when I say tolerant, do you think that people have truly changed or do they have they swept their, their attitudes of the drugs and they come out and I think a lot of these attitudes have changed, but I think a lot of times under certain circumstances, people's true feelings come out. And I and I, and I wonder what you feel about that. Do you think that things have changed, or do people kind of they kind of you follow the times and they but they still keep those attitudes swept under the rug? What what do you guys feel about that? You know, I think I people change. I'm not sure about the attitude. I believe that's on an individual basis. I believe I've seen some people that whenever we were going through school were literally my worst enemies, you know, messed with me on a daily basis on racial terms, you know, change and do a total 180, and they did do a legitimate heart-to-heart change, okay? And I've seen people change, you know, just put forth an attitude like they change, but yet the second you turn your back, they're sitting there talking just like nothing. You know, just like they've never changed. You know what I'm saying? It's an individual choice. Now, and and I'll say this. I've noticed there's two classifications of people. There are some people that feel the way they feel because they haven't had the exposure and it's pure ignorance. Now, ignorance is not necessarily a bad thing, but when no. you can get the tools to change, then it's up to you to make the change. And there's some people that know better, but they don't want to do any better, and they refuse to. Absolutely. So those Absolutely. are the categories of people that we're dealing with. You see what I'm saying? Ignorance yeah. is lack of knowledge. That's what ignorance is. Absolutely. Stupidity and, and, you know, is another thing. It's one thing, you know, It's I agree with that, but it's much easier to educate someone than it is to actually try to work with someone that has the hatred ingrained in their blood. If I can chime in just a, just a little yeah, bit, I want to kind of back up just a, a little bit, and then I'll, I'll come back to where we are. Uh, someone mentioned uh, a little bit ago about um, there were – uh, things in our everyday life that we don't even that we don't know uh, that was um, invented by uh, uh, by black persons. Um, and one thing that I'd like to mention uh, is the potato chip. A lot of people don't know that potato chips was invented by uh, uh, George Crumb back in 1853. Uh, he's a black gentleman that worked in a restaurant. However. In mentioning that, I also wanted to touch on, um, uh, you were talking about some cultures uh, were actually left out uh, in the uh, educational uh, education system. That is true. It may be in the history books. However, it's not taught the way that it was intended. And today... Uh, there are very few cultures that are taught, and uh, as the gentleman said a few moments ago, it's taught at an early age in the school systems. And once you uh, become, uh, uh, once you get into junior high and high school, a lot of that is not uh, cultures are not um, uh, dealt with uh, uh, at that time. But 
the foundation of education is culture. If you look back in history, what was taught in schools years ago was culture. It was all about your own culture. It was all about the other cultures that uh, that uh, lived around you. Uh, we talked about years ago, we talked about uh, the Indians and reservations, and uh, we talked about all those things that are not talked about very much today. And it is true as well that uh, a parent, a parent should want to uh, educate their children, but you have to then look at the education of the of that parent. If we're talking about somebody mentioned public schools, public schools, if you look at the education of uh, some parents. In not just the public school district, but you know some of the extended schools as well, they don't have the knowledge to be able to teach their children. So the children are, are at a disadvantage because of that. But in in that case, then what do you do? There are places that you can take your children so that they can become educated. We have libraries; they're free on Thursday here where we live. Uh, there is there are museums. Uh, the, I, when I mentioned free libraries, are free, but they have certain uh, events that take place within the library. Some may cost. Some are free to attend. But uh, then there's museums. It's free on Thursday here where we live. There are a lot of different things that we can do to help our children to understand their culture. But I have another uh, aspect. If you are a working parent, and we know today it takes more than one uh, one uh, parent home to raise children. Uh, I'm not saying that it can't be done with one parent. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a good, wholesome family, if you have a good, wholesome family, it's easier to be able to afford the time to do those things. Single, as a single parent, it's hard for single parents to do those things. However, those things are still out there and available. As a single parent, if you want to do something, you want to get out and party with your friends, you find time. We need to find time for our children. We need to find time for the things that are most important to them. It's not about us anymore so much, but it's about our children. And we've got to start somewhere. We've talked about it for years and years and years and years, but it has to start somewhere. And I think this is a good um, format. Um, I don't know how many listeners uh, uh, that listen to the program, but this is really a good format to get things out. And uh, before leaving, I just want to thank you for an opportunity to participate on your show uh, once again. Again, I thank you, and everybody have a, a safe and a great evening. Thank you. I got to say, um, when I get together with uh, my girlfriend who is coming from South Korea, if she and I have children, I'm going to homeschool that child and uh, make sure that she knows both Korean and English and uh, yeah 
still on the air? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm up here talking, and I and I had my phone on mute. I'm sorry. Uh, you you there, Michael? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Um, that's another route we're gonna uh, talk about soon because I think that um, I think we lost a couple of callers, but um, that's another route we're gonna be taking soon um, about the whole entire uh, uh, homeschooling debate. Because I think a lot of people are now taking that route because they feel that the public school system. I think we just got JR back. Um, they they feel that their child is not being sufficiently educated, and and I guess a lot of people are taking that 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 route. And I wanted to you know get into that topic in the future. Is homeschooling the perfect solution, or do, are you handicapping your child? Or I mean, or is this? I mean, or can you still teach your child what you want them to know while allowing them to go to school? We're gonna talk about that in upcoming show because I think that um, is a good topic, and I think a lot of people are taking that route because they're not because the public school system is not arming their child culturally. Um, oh man. Local schools, they 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 cannot. If I have a child with with a sunny, there there's just no way they can teach my child the way I want her to be teached. I want her to learn Korean. I want her to learn English. I want her to learn science the way I want her to learn. Uh, they're not going to teach her. Folks, let me ask you this. So if you admit that they're not going to teach her her culture, so why is not it an issue when we, as blacks, who played a key role in the founding of this country, why is it an issue that we feel the way that we feel about that? Oh, man, I'm going to teach her to learn everything. You're saying that basically I think what I'm hearing overall is that, you know, the need for more of an education on a broader, more multicultural basis than what it is, period. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's not just about the black culture, black community. It's not just about the white community. It's about an all-inclusive, because these days, if if our children are going to be uh, prepared to face the world and be, Able to compete globally for jobs and, and you know and complete compete in a global market. They need to be real versed and real rounded all around. You know because if you're going to have them put them in a position to where they can be successful, they need to be able to operate on the international level. Not just know about our culture, but they need to be real versed and they need to be well educated all around. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, my girlfriend. She's from South Korea. I know what you're talking about. So if she she and I if she and I have uh, children, I want I want her to learn Korean and English at the same time. Mm -hmm. She's got to learn that. It's important for her to learn her mother's. Culture. Okay. Would you, if you had a child and you were homeschooling it, were you, would you 
how would you do on a more multicultural level rather than just ethnically centered within that? Would you uh, take a more multicultural level to all of the other cultures as well? Oh, she's got to learn also how to deal with American culture, and American culture is many on different many different levels. Mm-hmm. Oh, African American. Uh, oh, there's there's many different levels that she's going to have to exist on. So, would you say that as a homeschooling parent? that you would strive to make those multicultural impacts within her educational background? I would first let her learn from her mother. Let her learn Korean, then English, and then as her father, as an English father, I would teach her what I feel is important and those things that I think are important are uh, inclusiveness you know acceptance and general diversity yeah yeah we'll see (laughs) See you know what I mean the the thing the the reason why it's difficult (laughs) to answer that question because you have to look at, you know, social science from a non-emotional uh, standpoint. There is American culture is European culture. So you you have to have that clarity. That's that's what it is. American culture is a European expansion. That's what it is. You see, when in America. Is there an Italian month? Italian History Month? Is there an? Sir, can I? Is there a French history? Is there a French History Month? Sir, can I please ask? Is there an English History Month? Let them finish. I would like to address this gentleman's. Argument, but first I want to have his name. It's not an argument. First of all, it's it's an analysis of history. It's not an argument. Okay. Well, can I please have a a name so I can address you personally? Yes, sir. Just call me Metu. M E T U. Metu. Metu. Okay. Metu. Yeah. All right, Metu. Um, you are. Um, suggesting that I am uh, coming from an, uh, a European uh, standpoint. Am I uh, wrong or correct in this? What, that you are com- No, we're talking about culture. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I am uh, talking about how I'm going to uh, address my uh, Korean girlfriend. Can I um, please ask you to, uh, I guess, clarify how 
you are trying to address me in this situation? Oh, okay, but well, let me let me clarify something. The only reason I I giggled a little bit and said that the, the uh, reading was hard is not because of what you said, because I think you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You said you would have called to rate her with a mother's culture, and then yours. So that's clear, and I think you should do that. What the gentleman asked you was, he said, "Would you? What about the multicultural? See, that's where you get into the gray area." And then you said, "Oh yeah, America is—it's got a lot of different facets." But what you never, what you never said, America has a lot of different cultures. It does not have a lot of different cultures, and you didn't say that. And you're correct for not saying that. See, black history is a subculture created in a European culture. What blacks should be learning is African culture. And if you say, well, African is a European term, that's correct. Then you talk about comedic culture. Black culture is European culture. And that is not what Africans in America should be learning. In addition to that, they need to know African culture. That's their culture, not black culture. Well, we don't have to add too long because I think that you can educate us a lot because he has, he, you know, you know, I consider myself, I guess, in, in this culture, African American. But I think that. We so we have to start looking at things more so um, where we originally came from. And I think you would be a good person to have on the show in the future to just educate stuff because I think like a lot of times when we talk like this, a lot of people think that oh they're being militant or anything, but but it's right. a realistic right. point of view that we don't look at because we've been I won't say brainwashed, but we've been taught to look at things from. American point of view perspective. Yes, yes. and it's not, not militant at all. You're right, brother. I, and I'm not being militant at all. Exactly. I don't want to be misconstrued as being militant at all. Have no disrespect for European culture at all. I we got Jr. back online. Um, Jr. I thought we lost you. You back? Yeah, I'm back. Um, did you have anything to say, or are you just still listening, or? I, I tell I tell you yeah I, I actually do just in case I get cut off because I'm like in uh, the backwoods here. Uh, <laughs> um, I I, I want to know two certain two things you know we, we're talking about uh, contributions from African Americans you know to the world. Uh, one of them is the blood bank. I I cannot tell you who. You know the creator of the blood bank was, but I I do remember hearing that that uh, the guy that created the blood bank was an African American. Now imagine how many lives have been saved just from that alone. But I came across a story today um, that I found quite interesting. Uh, it, it had to deal with Denzel Washington. Uh, have have y'all heard this yet? Oh, no. Well, uh, Denzel was in San Antonio visiting uh, an Army medical center on base over there, right? And to make a long story short, what ended up happening is he was being given a tour of it 
business center where they send all the burn victims from Germany, transferring them to the United States, you know, that were injured during the war. Um, and they, they have this place called the Fisher House. And the Fisher House is uh, where they house the families of those veterans who are in these ho- admitted to these hospitals and charge them next to nothing, right? Well, the, re- uh, the reason uh, this was brought to me was because uh, I get, uh, I, upon getting the tour, Denzel was asked how much uh, it costs, or Denzel asked how much it would cost to build a, a few more of these hotels. So they told, you know, the, mil- uh, the tour guides, you know, and the uh, doctors told them what the costs are, and he ended up writing out a check right there to get a couple more Fisher houses built on this space in the lump sum amount. Now, again, the reason this was brought up to me was, uh, you know, how I am on veteran causes, you know. But uh, what, what I found amazing about it was the subtext on it. I posted the story on my Facebook. But uh, it was, you know, that all these other stars that are always getting their problems get headline news, and here's an act of generosity towards, our military veterans from, uh, you know, an A-list celebrity, and it didn't even make page three of the Metro News. Mm. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it was actually the only paper that took the story and ran with it was the local paper there in San Antonio. Mm. That's where I got wow. the story from. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. And that also, that's a good segue into what I've, I've, I promised this, been promised this throughout the show. And uh, before I get to that, I just want to let everybody know you can call in at 646-915-8200 if you would like to call in and join the conversation. Uh, uh, we also have a uh, Facebook group page. You can go to Facebook and put us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers or just put in UCOFW. Um, you can join our Facebook page so you can um, have updates, uh, shows. And also we have a YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash UCOFW. Um, just join that. We have videos that we're going to start doing. I'm going to start doing a video a week. Um, it's just It just takes so much time because a lot of times you have to convert the video and, and then, you know, I, I edit in um, – on online software, and then you got to upload that to your computer and all that stuff. So, but we're gonna start trying to do a, a video a week or at least a couple of months. So, but we also have like the excerpts of the shows too, so you can go back and listen, or you can download them from iTunes. So that's always an option. But I want to get on to um, the Black Invention list because I know we were talking about this earlier, and. Um, I know Jr. He mentioned something about um, blood banks, but uh, um, we're gonna go down this list of inventions because I, I found something that was very, very uh, wow to me. And I guess one of them, like the air conditioning unit, which was created in July of 1949, was created by uh, Frederick M. Jones. Um, the almanac was created by Benjamin Banneker in approximately 1791. Um, let's go down. It's, it's several of them. Um, the blood plasma bag was created by Charles Drew 
around 1945. The cell, cell phones were created by Henry T. Sampson in July 6 of 1971. Um, let's see, the clothes dryer was created in 1862 by G.T. Sampson. Um, something as simple as the doorknob was created by Old Dorsey in 1878. Uh, let's see what else. Um, the elevator was created by Alexander Miles in October of 1867. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, fountain pens were created by W.B. In January 1890, um, the gas mask was created by Garrett Morgan in October of 1914. Um, the guitar was created by Robert S. Fleming, March 3rd, 1886. Um, let's see what else we have on here. Um, Iron and Boys was created by Sarah Boone in December 1887. Lawnmowers were created by L.A. Burr in May of 1889. Um, the basic lock was created by W.A. Martin, July of um, 23rd. They don't have the exact year on here, but it was created in the 1800s. Um, the mailbox was created by Paul Downing, October of 1891. The mop was created by Thomas Stewart in June of 1893. Um, the motor was created by Frederick Jones in 1939. Um, pencil sharpener was created in November of 20 uh, November 23rd, 1897 by J.L. Love. Um, let's see what else. The refrigerator was created in June of 1891 by J. Standard. Uh, let's see. Um, the stethoscope was created by in Hopkins. That's, that's African history there, ancient Egypt. And um, Madam C.J. Walker, she created, well, she, she's a native of Indianapolis, which that's why our show is based out of. She created the whole line of hair care products for African Americans, which and she was the first woman millionaire, self-made millionaire in the United States. And that history started here in Indianapolis. And she um, created all this approximately around 1905. The, the street sweeper was created by Charles B. Brooks in March of 1890. The traffic light was created by Garrett Morgan in November of 1923. The tricycle was created by M.A. Cherry in uh, May 6th of 1886. And the typewriter was created by Burridge in Marshman. April 7th of 1885. And this was just like some of the, the things that I saw on the list. There were a ton of more, ton more of um, inventions that I've seen on there. But I just wanted to bring those inventions to the air because I think a lot of times we don't know what we have created and where we came from in this country. You know, and that's the thing that I didn't even know this education. And, you know, and I verified it with other um, um, sources on the Internet. And, and it's very fascinating that, we have this rich history that we're so unaware of, you know. So I just want to bring that to, uh, to the light. I know AR uh, talked about that earlier, about the uh, blood bank and stuff like that. Okay, uh, I wanted to do a couple of news stories that 
What's all this I hear lately about job interviewers requiring applicants to hand over their Facebook passwords? I've been to job I've been job hunting for about three months. I'm working now but I'm not thrilled with my current employer. So far, no prospective employer I've met has requested this information, but someone told me more companies are doing so these days, so I want to be prepared. I really don't feel comfortable letting strangers know the run of my private Facebook postings. And why would I, they need to know, why would they need to see baby pictures of my kids and snapshots of my last vacation anyway? So if an employer asks, how do I say no way without blowing my chances of getting hired? Okay. Um, I guess the response was the reason why you haven't came across any job interviewers asking for your Facebook password is that that, that practice is, is very rare. For some complicated legal reasons, more about that in a minute. Nonetheless, it has happened here and there, and the blogosphere has been buzzing with indignant rants about the practice. Um, I guess the word got out that the Maryland Department of Corrections was asking applicants and even some current employees for their Facebook passwords. Officials at the agency said that the request was aimed at making sure that there were that prospective prison guards didn't have any gang affiliations. After trolling around, uh, trolling through 2,689 applicants' Facebook pages, the agency declined to hire seven applicants based on what their Facebook pages revealed. Um, And I guess they said, um, let's see, let's go down here. The American Civil Liberties Unit, Union complained that this was a violation of, of the applicant's privacy, and Maryland state legislators introduced a bill that would prohibit employers from requiring job candidates to provide their Facebook passwords. Not to be outdone, lawmakers in Illinois and California came up with similar proposals. None of the bills have been signed into law just yet. Last week, Facebook posted a statement saying, that it will sue employers who ask people passwords because getting out the information violates Facebook policies, as you mentioned, Michael. Mm-hmm. If you are a Facebook user, you should never have to share your password, wrote Chief Privacy Officer Aaron Egan. The controversy has stirred up a hornet's nest of other online commentary, like a post by Chica Blogger, Mike Wainer that featured a photo of, of the infamous Maryland job application. Um, let's see, what's getting down here? Um, granted, but this, but it's worth noting that from an employer's point of view, the issue is more complex than it might seem at first glance. On one hand, corporate legal departments usually advise hiring managers against delving too deeply into people's online personnel. Um, I lost my space, lost my place. Um, oh, yeah, because doing so might disclose information that employers are not allowed by law to ferret out in a job interview. Quote, what if you find out 
uh, if an applicant's baby applicant is expecting a baby or has a radical political uh, point of view or is over 50 or has a chronic medical condition or some personal information that you can't legally ask for, and then you decide not to hire that person for some other completely unrelated issue, unquote, ask um, Michael Smith, a partner for the employment law practice at Coles and O'Connor in New York, quote, how would you prove in court why you didn't hire him or her? So that's just part of an um, thing I wanted to kind of uh, uh, bring up because I think that now a lot of people are starting to look at that more in the age of social media. And I just think in general, it's just good that you don't post too many revealing things about yourself online. And that's just in general because you – Come on now. Some people just get carried away on Facebook. So what what do you have to say about that, Jr. Hello? Michael? Yes, I'm here. And Jr. is on mute. Oh, we lost him. Well, it's just me and you now, Michael. So so what do you have What What are the key things that people should... um, be careful about on Facebook, in your opinion. What are some things that people need to watch for? I mean, what is, how can now, you be uh, Well, first off, considering social media being social media, whatever you put out there in the public eye, consider it's out there in the public eye. I know of employers that will look for a Facebook page for an individual. Ooh, will look for a Facebook page for an individual just to see if there's something out there that they're putting out there in the public. You know, obviously, if you are going into a job interview and you want to put your best foot forward, put your best foot forward. And really think about what your privacy settings are set to. You know, you really should consider what you do have visually available to the public. You know, and I think that's just a smart move because there are some people out here, like you said, that just go absolutely nuts with this Facebook and Twitter and all these other forms of social media out there. <clears throat> Consider what it is you're putting in the public. And now to me, you know, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, I don't agree with how Facebook is doing a lot of things now and how they've changed the whole privacy thing, but to me now, there's no reason why you can't go back and just delete some of that stuff. It's, you have it to where now you can go back, you know, whatever month you're going to go back and just go through there and comb through some of that stuff. Yeah. You know, things. You know, some jobs don't pay attention to Facebook, but some might. Yes, but some of them, especially if you're looking for something in, let's say, a higher level of your the institution that you work in, if you're looking for a higher level position, yeah, I bet they're going to probably look. Yeah, that's true. And the thing about it is, is like you know, um, I've known people from jobs that have been fired due to Facebook drama. Yeah, same here. And, and I've known people that have Facebook has ruined a lot of people. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it can be used as a good mm-hmm. tool, but a lot of times it. It can destroy you. Right, and we understand, you know, that everybody has bad days at work. 
and also consider for those that do have jobs out there. Your job in looking at your employee handbook, regulations, bylaws, departmental procedures, whatever it is that your company calls it, you know, there is probably a rule in there somewhere that says that you cannot publicly badmouth the organization. Yeah. A lot of people have, like, a lot of these, um, uh, like you said, like in the employee handbook, they have, they have came up with the times, and they have put, um, they have put policies and procedures in there um, that address that, like yeah. about social media, you know, and you have to be careful with that. Yeah, and, and everybody has a bad day at work, but if you get on there and vent about, you know, for example, if you say your boss is an idiot and you get on there and that's put out in the public forum, you put it out there in the public. So even if it's not expressly written as social media, if you're exposing it to the public and it says you will not badmouth the company in the public, they got you. Yeah. And another thing you have to look out for, too, is um, I think a lot of people, I know you go to work, you know, it's good that, you know, the social, I mean, nobody wants to just be a social outcast. I know you're going to make friends or work, but I would really prohibit or really think long and hard, and this is just my point of view, before you add people from your job to your Facebook. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I think that's really really good consideration. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry, what did you say, Michael? I think that's a very good consideration. Just be careful. Don't add every time Dick and Harry on your Facebook from work. And I know this from personal because I've dealt with this in the past where it's just, it just, you know, people get on there, and that's how a lot of gossip starts at work. That's how a lot of drama happens at work. So if you're going to ask somebody from Facebook, please consider the level of maturity, how long you've known each other. Just just be careful about that. But honestly, I just think just if you're going to be safe, I'll just keep your, keep your public and keep your personal life separate from work. Yeah. A lot of times you have to do that because – you know, you have to realize you have to work with these people. They're just not like friends that you have on the street where you just cut them off and you can go your separate way and they can go theirs. You have to deal with these people every day, and you don't want to create an environment to where you, you know what I'm saying, where you guys, you know, don't get along, but you have to deal with each other every day because a lot of times that stuff can escalate and it cannot be, it won't be pretty. So I would just urge people, if you're going to add people from work, from Facebook, just think, just reconsider it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as maybe an idea for someone, you know, out there thinking, well, you know, if I don't add them, then maybe that might look bad or this or that, you know, maybe consider making a group in your Facebook page called coworkers. Right. <laughs> put them all into that. You know, or something, you know, there's different ways, obviously, and different parameters if you're going to add people. And another really strong suggestion is I don't put anything on my Facebook page that I would not put in the 6 o'clock news. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wouldn't want it seen on the 6 o'clock news or wouldn't want me standing up to say it on the 6 o'clock news, don't put it on your Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I mean, I know in a perfect world, we should all have the right to, to say what we want to say and 
I mean, I mean, we should have that 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 freedom in, in our personal Facebook page, and I, you know, that's just like a to me to some people that's, that's therapy them, and but realistically, don't don't do it. I mean, just to me, if you need to to tell your business, you need somebody to talk to, find a close friend, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, social networking should be just that, social networking. You really need to talk to a friend, do it the old-fashioned way. Sit down and talk to one. Yeah, because once, one thing about things that are written versus saying is more, it's easier to prove something that's been written versus something that's been said. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, legally, you know, chances are nobody's gonna sit there and record you and then use something against you because that's that's almost illegal. But 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 once you got that written in paper, that's why and that's another thing. Y'all sitting up here getting into these verbal confrontations, it's, it's, it, it, even over text messaging, and you threatening people and this that, and the other. That stuff can be used against you. You yep. know that, right? So I just I just urge people, you know, be careful what you put in writing. Because it's easy to prove what somebody wrote versus what somebody said. And I think that would help out a lot of people because I've known people that have you know, got to some trouble, even fired from jobs because of something that they wrote. And, you know, all it has, you know, it takes one time for someone to, to you know, you know, especially if it's something that's done on, on, Clock, you know, they bring that to the employer, and then they they have that in writing, and they got you. So just just be careful with that, you know. Especially now, if you're if you're unemployed and you're looking for a job, um, now is the time. Like you don't have nothing but time. You got to go in there and, and freshen up your image, delete all that junk off your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. You know, stop. And another thing. If you over first of all, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But if you over twenty five and you pushing thirty, and you still taking pictures at the club of you almost passed out and drinking and and doing everything, just stop doing it. <laughs> I mean, because I know younger people. You know, I've been there. I've been younger. You know, you you, you take pictures of your friends at the club, and that's and that's fine. But and I've done it too. But I'm getting to the age now, I'm I'm almost thirty, and I just I don't really take those pictures like that anymore. You know, some of y'all are in y'all thirties and y'all forties still doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just taking any kind of pictures, you know. Okay, I know I understand you want to take pictures with your family. That's fine, and this, that, and the other. But that that whole thing with you taking pictures at the club and all that stuff, and you you getting drunk and all that 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 has to stop. But that's just my opinion. Or even some of them that I have seen, and I have seen this also, is, and I've personally seen it, and I'm sure that there's listeners out there that if you look around hard enough, you will see it. People will be sitting, you'll see pictures on Facebook where you find someone sitting in a room full of illegal drugs. Oh, God. Now, and how, how stupid and how stupid can you be? Yeah, we're just getting into flat out ignorance here. You know, flat out ignorance because and what's even worse is they'll tag people in the pictures. Mhm. So it's like, oh, lovely. Here's a room full of dope and oh, by the way, here's everybody that was in attendance. <laughs> yep. 
So they'll, they'll have, yeah, like they'll, they'll take a picture of somebody smoking some weed or just, just, just dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like people. Come on now. Thank yeah, and you. I know you're coming from a law law enforcement point of view. That's definitely a no no. Like you, I mean, if you're telling people they need to quit that, then they need to quit doing it, and they shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> you can't help but sit there and think. Seriously, you didn't think that through too much, did you? Mm-hmm. Is how I, this stuff is, is also becoming admissible in court. And that's what I was saying. Is that how a lot of people get caught up? Well, it's definitely going to lead to building a good case of probable cause going into court. Wow. And let's say that you're involved in a custodial situation where you're trying to get custody of your kids. You know, if someone goes back and finds, you know, sees pictures like this, how good of a case is that building for you as a parent when you may say, well, Facebook's been around for seven years, that's back years ago when I was younger and stupid and I'm not like that anymore. Yeah, but you know what? It still doesn't look Out too there. off good. And maybe you have changed the way you do life. Maybe you live life on the straight and narrow, and that's great. But how smart does that look? Once it's out there in the blogosphere, it's out there. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just just be careful. Even if you delete that, sometimes who, who knows? Somebody could have copied that. Mm-hmm. So just be careful. It's, it's more, like I said, it's more easy to prove something if somebody says something versus, like, you know, I don't know. Just be careful with that. But, um. I had one more story I wanted to squeeze in here real quick before we get off air. And um, let me see if I can find this story. Definitely crazy pulled up here. Um, it's something I found interesting, you know. And it goes to show you how because they have money, they can stay and do what they want to do. Um, I seen this story originally on... Young Turks, and then I researched it more from there. And this this comes from uh, www.11alive.com news. It's a, it's a uh, I think this is a uh, CNN affiliated uh, publication, and um, this has to do with this 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 came off the CNN wire. And it has something to do with a man accused of slapping a crime baby on a plane, and, and, and he turns himself in. But the twist of the story was it was racially motivated. So we're going to read this story real quick, and then we're going to get up off of here. An Idaho man accused of uttering a racial slur and slapping a 19-month-old boy on a Delta airline flight turned himself into authorities on Tuesday. Joe Ricky Hundley of Hayden, Ohio, surrendered in the state, uh, surrendered in that state according to the U.S. Attorney Office in Atlanta. He was charged with assaulting a minor stemming from a February 8th incident aboard the Delta flight of Atlanta. Hundley was released on bail. 
related uh, related the mom charged with slapping a toddler loses it. Okay, I don't think that's related to the story. But anyways, um, let me see. Okay, let's look. His attorney, Marcia Stein, has her client in being unfairly portrayed. Quote, uh, this escalated into a racist issue, and I want to be clear, he is not a racist, Stein said. Okay, let me pause there. Pretty much, um, he slapped the baby for crying and told the mother to shut that, I'm going to say the word, shut that nigger baby up. So that's where this comes from. So I'm going to continue. She also said that Hunley is dealing with unspecified issues. Hmm. According to documents filed in the U.S. District Court of Atlanta last week by the boy's mother, Jessica Bennett, 33 years old of Minnesota, and her son were seated in row 28 B on Delta Flight 721 that originated in Minneapolis. She spent a part of that flight. Uh, make sure we still, we still on air. I think so. Okay, cool. Uh, I lost the story. Oh, yeah, we're recording now. Are you there? Yeah, I got to get my story back up. I I was just um, checking to see if we were on air. Okay, there we go. Um, She spent part of the flight in the rear of the plane to get away from Hunley, who she said smelled like alcohol and was slurring his speech, according to John Thompson, the attorney for the child's family. As the plane began its descent to Atlanta, the boy began to cry because the altitude changed and his mother tried to sue him. Hunley, who was seated next to the mother and the son, allegedly told her to, quote, shut that N-word baby up. Hunley then turned around and slapped the child in the face with an open hand, which caused him to scream even louder in FBI after David said, the boy suffered from a scratch below his right eye. Other passengers on the plane assisted Bennett, and, and one of them heard the slur and witnessed the alleged assault, the affidavit said. Um, Sean said that even if her client did use the slur, it does not make him a racist. End of the story. Now, wow. let me say this. If it was my child, and this why this why I said I got I got respect, and, and that's even just putting just the the slur to the side. But if it was my child, they would have to take me off that plane in handcuffs. Yeah. And to add into the injury for him to say that to him, a nineteen month old child which don't know any better, you're talking about a child that's probably at the most a little over a year and a half, the child doesn't know any better. Right. And you're going to sit there, and this is what I'm saying, this guy's supposed to be an executive, so he's he's, he's one of these typical executives that feel like they don't have to go through the, the minor nuisances of life, and they and they, they feel like they can do anything, and they're, they're right under God, and, they, and they're invincible, and they can do what they want to do. 
And I think that he needs to, yeah, he needs to really be, they need to they need to throw the book at him. Because for you to just to hit somebody's baby and you felt like that you could do that and you feel that you can just attack somebody's child, you better be lucky you still got your life. Jeez. So does anybody has anyone found out yet what company executive he is? What company he works for? Um, let me see. You know what I, I was I heard when I was listening to the young Turks earlier, they had the name of the company that he worked for. And I'm trying to find that now. Uh, Joe London. I'm going to look this up really quick while we're on here. So I want to. That just, that kind of cracks me up of, you know, even if you didn't look at the racial aspect of it, who in the hell slaps a 19-month-old in the face? Who the hell hit another person's child that you don't even know? Mhm. Exactly. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, and like I said, I'm not I'm far from a criminal, but that, and I know, and you know, and I, um, I can't find the name of that company he works for, and I wish I would have uh, found that because, yeah, I want to put him in that company in blast. Makes you wonder I mean, if that company is going to let him stay on employed there or if they will get rid of him. I'm pretty sure he's going to lose his job over there. Well, yeah. you know. That's, well, it may make a difference, too, if he was traveling on his own time or if he was traveling for the company. Okay. It, either way, though, I think there probably would be a good idea to get rid of him. Okay, here it is. Um, this is from RNN. Um, okay, this answers your question. Um, the man accused of hitting a toddler on a Delta Airlines flight from Minneapolis to Atlanta no longer has a job. And I guess the president and CEO of AGC Aerospace and Defense Composite group said that Joe Ricky Hunley was not with the company as of Sunday, according to the Associated Press. The AP reported that Haas uh, called the alleged behavior of the former company executive during a personal trip, quote-unquote, disturbing. And I guess they said Hunley, 60 years old, of Hayden, Idaho, was charged with simple assault of a 19-month-old um, baby, Jonah Bennett, after February 8th. Um, and pretty much it goes into pretty much what the other uh, article said. Um, they said Jessica Bennett and her husband are white, and their adopted son is black, um, which I was telling you earlier, the mother was white, obviously, but the, I guess the boy is adopted. Um, John Thompson, the Bennett family attorney, said that CNN interviewed 
the parents knew they would have to discuss the race issue but never expected to deal with anything this early in Jonah's life. Um, Hunley's employer initially suspended him after hearing of the alleged incident. A company spokesman would, spokesman would not say whether he resigned or was fired, only that the allegations were contradictory to the company's values. Um, chances are he got fired. They just don't want to put that. I don't know. But um, Hunley's attorney said that he plans to plead not guilty and ask the public not to rush to judgment, according to CNN. Really? <laughs> Seriously. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, don't rush to judgment. Well, I think it pretty well speaks for itself. <laughs> I'm thinking if you put yourself out there like that. Now, if, you, if you're in public and you drunk and you do something like that, then you're a grown man. You, you face your responsibilities of what you did. And to me, I think it's sick for any grown person to, to me, you're no different than a, a sexual predator. Anytime you hurt a child in general, especially a child that, that young, then you got problems. Yeah. And you lucky you didn't hit the wrong person, baby, because I guarantee you, you would have left out that damn plane in a body bag or you would been you would have been leave, leaving out there in the ambulance had to take you to... Going out uh, on a stretcher. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be in intensive care right now at the very minimum. It just goes to show you there's some sick people out here. And we're talking about the whole issue. Does, does Is racism still alive and well? Obviously it is. You know, but it's just, that's just sad. I just wanted to bring that to you. I was looking at stories before I got on. Uh, politically, it's not too much going on right now. But I just found that story, and I thought it was really disturbing, you know, you know how we do. We we bring things to light that people should know that's going on, and that's one thing that's going on that's very disturbing. But I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to share or just talk about in general before we get off. Or... Uh, not that I can really think of. It's been a crazy, crazy scheduling with me here lately, so I haven't had time to really focus on too much. Yeah, I, I need to get what's going, what's going on and. The city too. I haven't really been paying attention to what's going on, what's been going on locally. But yeah. But anyway, this this has been a pretty interesting show, I must say. I mean, we've had a lot of good commentary on this show. I mean, this it was a better turnout than what I thought. I mean, you know, and one thing that I I really appreciate was the honesty. I didn't want this to be just another discussion where people were just being superficial and not saying what's on their mind. I wanted this to be something where people are speaking the truth. And we, we had a, a wide variety of uh, opinions in this show. And, you know, some of them may have not been as popular as others, but like I said, I appreciate the honesty. And in general, we can be all adults and, and be respectful towards each other. I, I, at the end of the day, that's that's what's important. But um, I don't know if you had anything else to add on top of that. I mean, what you feel about the show tonight? Uh, well, I hate the fact that I come into it late in the game because <laughs> I feel like I missed important chunks off the bat there. But I, I like the dialogue. I like the back and forth. It was, it was so the airing of the opinion. I think that's uh, important to have a healthy dialogue. Yeah, I, yeah. 
I didn't even get a chance to play my music on the show. That's how heated he got. And I know from the start, like, from usually, you know, we start off to play music, but people were calling in from the beginning. So, you know, I didn't want to take a chance and um, lose them, so I just went on ahead and took the calls and stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know. What do you have for uh, an idea? What kind of ideas are you working on for some upcoming shows here? Well, um, we have some heated shows that we're going to have coming up. We're going to have some scandal. We're going to have some... As always, it's going to be definitely a hot-button topic. We're going to continue our discussion off of a show we did last year called Do You Really Know Your Man, Part 2. Because I think a lot of times we're dealing with men, a lot of women, and not just only the women, but but the men are dealing with women, too, that are living double lives. And to me, I think it's really um, something that we need to continue to talk about because a lot of people don't know that they're significant other, especially in these he- quote-unquote heterosexual relationships, that, that their partner is out here doing things on the side um, and, they're, and, and they're not protecting themselves. That's, um, and I had a, I had an idea of what we can do as a social experiment because I think that we could really take this to another. I was thinking about getting on Craigslist and setting up a fake ad and um, seeing what kind of responses we get. Now, we ain't going to put the people's names or pictures or nothing out there like that, but I want to read the responses that we get from an ad. Do you think that would be a good idea? Just long, I think as long as you don't divulge anyone's personal information, I think that would well, be an interesting. Yeah, it would be a very interesting survey to see. Yeah, you know, you know, we're gonna have some journalistic integrity with that, but I'm just gonna keep it real because a lot of y'all think that we get on here and we joke around. You think we're not serious when we talk about this, but um, yeah, this stuff is going on. So, you know, we're going to do that. Um, I haven't forgotten about the whole Westboro Baptist Church. We're going to be working on that in the future. Um, we're still going to be trying to get in touch with some people. I, mean, I want to get somebody on the show dealing with um, the ACLU and about your rights. And we're going to um, eventually do a show dealing with the unions and how people feel about that because I don't know much about them. But I know... Um, a couple of people that can tell you about unions. And I think J.R., he's very knowledgeable on unions and stuff. And I'm going to try to get people on both sides of the aisle that are for it and against it. Um, We're going to talk about right to work, and we're going to talk about uh, what does that mean for Indiana and other states that have adopted that. So I want to talk about that. Um, And... Just some other, just, just, yeah, just be on the lookout. We got some good topics coming up. So, um, I don't know if you had anything. I also want to let you know I'm working on some things in the future. I can't really, you know, I don't like really telling people something that I'm not really sure about yet, but I really have faith that it's going to happen. So, just, just wish for the the best for us in general because I, I got something that can really take this show probably to another level, hopefully. But, you know, I don't like to talk about things too soon. 
So we, we got some things that we're working on right now, and we're negotiating and stuff like that. So um, just be on the lookout for some just changes in general. And like I said, with the YouTube channel, we're going to start at least doing um, a video a week. Um, and I got to get with you, Mike, because I really want to start doing those politic ditto sessions again. Ah, uh, yeah. Because I, I remember we, we were doing those pretty regularly, and I think those were doing pretty well on YouTube. So I want to at least start doing at least one of those, like, once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Me and you'll talk about that off air and stuff like yeah. that. But, yeah, I want to bring that back and just um, we're going to be doing more reviews. Um, just, just We're going to just we're gonna step it up. We're really going to step it up. You know, we're going to get this website that I've been talking about there for almost over a year. But we're going to work on that. So just we're just under construction right now, as I was saying. Construction but, and expansion. <laughs> and expansion. So, you know, like we've came a long way since 2008. Like we really have. So, I, I, and I think even like we were just discussing too, Michael, how even just the, the content of the show and just the quality of the show has uh has improved in the past couple of years since we first started. I still remember the first show we did back in 2010. It was only like an hour long, but still, you know, we've came a long way. The show has really evolved, you know. It doesn't seem like it's only been two, two or three years. <laughs> yeah, yep. And I talked to, you know, I talked to Deontis a little while on, uh, on Facebook tonight. She's doing all right, you know. I'm hoping we can get her back on. So, so she, you know, she just, She'll be back soon, I'm hoping. So uh, she's doing okay, for those of you who, you know, remember who she is and know, you know. So all's well there. But, yep, I got a birthday coming up in a couple, well, less than a couple months. So I'm going to be probably having a little um, get-together there. Um, Hopefully I can do a little snippet or a a, a video of, you know, my get-together there, you know, but, I'm really planning for the big 3-0 next year, so um, <laughs> just be on the lookout for that. We just want to have a little snippet, probably a little birthday, little shout-out to me or something like that. We're going to work that out. But other than that, uh, you got anything that's going on? Uh, no, not really. Uh, just trying to cycle through some crazy work scheduling, and other than that, I've, that's been my biggest thing here recently. I really want to get another show, show I want to do, and i got to try to see if, you know, how we could do this. I really want to talk about, uh, do a show dealing with metaphysics. Ah, uh-huh. And talk about what it is and what it's not. And, um, you, you know, I know you deal with a lot of Reiki, and I want to talk about um, dealing with the chakras and just, you know. Metaphysics. G principles and metaphysical concepts, yeah. It could be interesting. So I, I, I just kind of want to do something different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're just kicking around ideas. If you guys have any ideas, um, just send them. Like I said, we're on uh, Facebook. You can look us up on there, on the Urban Coalition of Freelance Fighters, or you can uh, even email me personally at S-E Harrison, that's H-A-R-R-I-S, 02 at gmail.com. So, um, if you got any ideas for the show, just let us know uh, what you would like to see, what kind of content you would like to see. And even if it has something to do with our YouTube page, what, what kind of videos do you want to see? 
what I mean, do you want us to do reviews? Do you um or if you would like to help out or if you would like to get on board, just let me know. Um so or you know, just yeah. So um but I'm we're gonna get off here and Michael I'm gonna call you in a little bit. Okay. Um, once again, it's the Urban Wire, and we want to thank everybody for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another show. Good night, everyone.